Steve just like shit. Like, I had to go. We 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 we, we, I, we had to go to a doctor appointment yesterday, so we I couldn't make it to the presser. But I want to know if Ed is planning on poisoning pill poison pilling the tigers this week. Think For about sure. it, bro. Think about it. Where did Ed Ogeron originally commit to play football? LSU. Okay. Where'd he end up playing football? Northwestern State. I mean, is it that hard to figure out? Connect the dots. Him and Bill Johnson Ooh. are planning on sabotaging LSU this weekend yeah. so Northwestern State can have the greatest win in the history of their what program. What if I told you Ed Ogeron took the LSU job to get, set himself up for the Northwestern State job? I would have zero problem believing that. Welcome in, though, to the f- f- it's 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 the four, third, fourth, third, fourth, Brody, do you know? Uh, it's the fourth. It's a, the fourth Hold That Podcast podcast (laughs) um i am your host t bob a bear of off the bench now proud owner uh part owner of the a bear specialty meats let's go um, that's where this podcast was born by the way yep was born in a bear specialty meat over a delicious uh go there for lunch sausage cheddar jack that's what it was right sausage cheddar jack po boy that's what i had yeah so good uh and of course i am joined by who is quickly becoming and bro i am not saying this just because we do this podcast together. <clears throat> but you are quickly becoming my favorite sports writer. I was thinking about it last night at bed and like at like eleven PM pump the brakes. As I was just reading more of your work at the athletic, like you are on a heater right now. I don't know what's going on or 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 or, or if I just because I don't feel like I always read your stuff, but maybe I'm just reading it more consistently now because by the way, y'all, I plugged A Bear Meats. If you don't, if you haven't signed up for the athletic, you are for real messing up. Like it is. So first off, it is so nice to have this app on my phone where I click on it and I know I have an ad-free, super responsive, well-organized. Like I jump immediately to my feeds and I've got like LSU, the Saints, Pelicans, college football. I can jump. I can read whatever. That is so nice. But secondly, on a website, when you're on a computer, there are no ads. It's pretty great. You have probably forgotten what it feels like to visit a website with no ads. Y'all, it is spectacular. Sign up for The Athletic. Yeah, um, I mean, like right now I'm on the homepage right now. My top thing is Jeff Duncan was basically embedded with Tulane at the uh, Auburn trip this weekend. Just published a big feature on that. Oh, very Louisiana cool. people, listen to that and just like, yeah, I'm not here to plug my own stuff, but The Athletic's incredible. Like there's a, a breakdown of how Joe Burrow, like by an NFL draft guide, break down how better Joe Burrow's gotten the past year. There's something on how Big League Chew was invented in a minor league baseball program, something like that. I mean, this is <laughs> well, and and that's the thing. You can almost go as deep or surface level as you want. Now, all the articles tend to be more a bit more long form and really like well written, in my opinion. But I guess that's more of just a talent thing. But but it isn't. It doesn't feel as rushed as maybe like a traditional paper. Where it's like yeah. you got to get this thing. And out that's tonight. the beauty of the model, which, yeah. which I, I I do love. But. Um, but you know what what I really like about it is here recently beyond just like beyond like uh okay I I want to read something really deep and meaty and that I can sink my teeth into is that they've hired so much good talent like especially South Louisiana people that I'm very used to reading that um I can still get that instant info and now I have those meatier subjects yeah. that I can dive into. And so it's really great. Like they have they have Holder, they have Duncan, they have Brody. I mean Catherine Terrell. Cat Cat Terrell is back. Uh it's the whole old uh, Times pick squad. Um <laughs> pretty much. So yeah. go ahead and sign up for the athletic. So the reason why I bring this up 
Uh-oh. It's because we have so much to talk about a here, lot. right? Yeah. Like, it is overwhelming the amount of stuff that you could break down from this Texas game. It's one of my favorite college football games of all time. Uh, the third and 17 play is just one of my favorite plays of all time. And, Brody, I don't know about you. Just a real quick tangent here. Um, <laughs> you never nothing, do that. Nothing save for my family makes me feel emotion like college football does. With you? Yeah. It is wild. And I, I don't have know a family. why. I, I don't know why I'm becoming more... Hmm. When I immediately got done with LSU, I felt like I was pretty good at... No, I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I just want, like... if Okay, here's what I think it boils down to, because I find myself really wanting LSU to win these games. And I know I'm not technically a journalist, but I'm supposed to be maybe exist in a somewhat more objective space. Um, but I guess the thing is, man, when it, when it comes to my job and getting to talk about it and just the vibe around the city is like LSU winning or losing this game completely dictated just the feel of the city for a lot of people this week and like the feel of the workplace. And like for me now, especially because I'm in it and I would much rather come in and be positive and celebrate than have to be like super negative and ruminate on where, what went wrong and blame, but whatever, like, but I mean, you just walk around the city right now and there's kind of a buzz, there's an excitement. So I think that same emotion that it's ripping out of me, it seems to be ripping out of like pretty much everybody right now. No, I think you nailed it. It was like it's. I think it's because of this like perfect meshing of all these things going on at once. We're like winning a big game is going to do that to some extent anyway, yep. right? There was the, some of that after Auburn and Miami and all that last year. But you just add all that. You had the just the pure sassiness of this weekend with LSU in Texas, <laughs> and then you got just this upside of this team with this new offense actually coming together, and then Joe Burrow looking like he's actually one of the five best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, and, and that third and seventeen play, and it was just. All of a sudden, it's like this isn't just a big win. This is a team that actually has like pretty off the charts upside. So it was this perfect like cornucopia of just momentum in Baton Rouge right now, and it actually is pretty cool. And they're going to probably win their next four games. So you're really feeling good. And so think back to ITOS. Uh, ITOS, the original acronym that you made up about if the offense succeeds, you what have this to retire. Team could it's almost be. sad. Um, I never. Yeah, no. I think I think it is retired. I yeah. think it, I think the offense has succeeded. Like yeah. they passed R. the R. test. Toast. Now we're just hyped, and we we got to see how far this train can roll. It's just wild to me because even I, who was absolutely, I was like John the Baptist for this uh, for this offense in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, like I was out there paving the way at SEC media days. Like I know you've heard this before, yeah. doing all the other different shows, right? Like, but you gotta believe me. It is actually different this time i saw a little bit of a dirt spring i'm telling you i tell you and so but 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 so even i someone who believed in this could have never ever been greedy enough or bold enough or aggressive enough to predict the type of success that we have seen through two weeks from this offense it's uh, it borders on the absurd like the truly absurd yeah because i mean the all people wanted was just a pretty good off decent you know? that's all we have yeah, yeah like, exactly and right exactly. now think give about, me 300 yards passing that would have been ecstatic would be huge and right now lsu is number two in the country in offensive sp plus which is a, a wow so Connolly loves him which is an opponent adjusted metric that looks at all the little factors efficiency explosiveness you know how who are you playing and they are the number two offense in the country who would have ever in a million years ever expected to see lsu there and it's two games things will change but i mean that's and 
We live in blessed times. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, we just truly do. I think the offense would be good no matter what, but then you add, just on what they're doing right now, but then you add just Joe Burrow looking like a dude. I mean, yes. that was an – I am not like somebody who dives into hyperbole, I don't think, almost ever. And Joe Burrow was on one. I mean, that was yeah. some shit. <laughs> um, He – so for so throws. for all the talk of the 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 Saints offense and LSU offense, right? Um, that felt like when Drew Brees is at his best. I mean, thirty one of thirty nine. Every time he dropped back, instead of having a pit in your stomach, like I think LSU fans have gotten used to over the years, you assumed it was going. Yes, you assume it's going to be positive. You assume you're anxious. And, and speaking of which, talked about living in blessed times. I combined Breeze's and Burrow's stats from the Monday night game and the Saturday night game, both in which you embarrass the state of Texas, which I love because Texas loves themselves. And I love it. No, it just makes me so happy when they suffer. Um, But like you witnessed like 77% completion percentage. You witnessed over 800 yards thrown this weekend. You witnessed six touchdowns. And how about this? Here's food for thought for just random sports trivia. Do you think there is a better college? To pro team, they're geographically linked, so a college team in the same state as a pro team, is there a better kicking setup than what South Louisiana currently has? Avery Atkins, uh, Cade York, and Zach Von Rosenberg on the college level, and then Thomas Morstead and Will Lutz on the on the NFL level. I mean, I can't think of one, and it probably is one of the best, but I will also be the first to admit I'm not too I agree. Well, I, well that's, what, that's why I'm putting it out here, because I want somebody, yeah. if you are like a Give sports trivia nerd, yeah. and you think you know a combination, please throw it my way. Um, maybe at the it's end true. of the season, we can look up like Groza uh, and see where it lines up with like the best punters. No, in that the really NFL. is a fun project. Um, yeah. and, and we'll get down to it. Okay, sorry, but this, this was all tangential to say it was a great weekend of football for South Louisiana fans. Monday night football game was great. Let's talk about Saturday night though in Texas, yeah. and there's so much to break down that I almost want to, I almost just want to use your article. 10 things that need to be discussed following LSU's throw one of Texas as the template for this podcast. I know I didn't talk to you about this before. Is that okay? That's fine. Yeah, I won't stop you. Okay, so um, <clears throat> we'll just go down the list because I think that these are all things that we need to react to. And I didn't and even get into Burrow in this because I had written so much about Burrow the night before. That's true. And yeah. maybe you should, maybe we'll save uh, – well, I'm sure Burrow will come up. We'll see where Burrow goes. Yeah. Like, but absolutely. You, the, the, the write-up on kind of the Burrow-it factor and – and and him being that dude and, and the gumption. Because, look, don't get me wrong, the philosophical shift that has taken place at LSU is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's obviously a system that Burrow is so much more comfortable in and understands more and can really reach his potential. But he is still out there making plays and making them consistently that speak to someone that is quickly becoming a legitimate big-time NFL prospect. First off, yes. I mean, I think he's actually now a top – I think you you look at Dan Brugler's uh you know breakdown from this weekend. And he was talking to some scouts, and it sounds like he might be the number two senior quarterback in wow. the draft class right now, which would probably make him in the top five overall. I mean, it's legit. But the last thing I'll say about the offense and how yes, the coaches get the credit, everyone Ojan gets the credit, everyone gets the credit. But Joe Burrow has authorship of, of this offense as well. Yeah, he was. I mean, you ask anyone, he was from the day they started in those meetings. They didn't do a single thing unless he liked it. They everything they tried, they ran by him. Did you like this? Did you not like this? Did you feel comfortable with this? They teach him something once. 
he'd learn it, and then during seven-on-sevens, he'd be the guy basically teaching it to the rest of the offense. Yeah. He also deserves some ownership of this because I don't know. Say it was – this is no discredit to Miles Brennan, but say it was just Miles Brennan in that quarterback room this year. <coughs> no, and that's It would be thing, a good like, offense. It might not be like this. Exactly. Uh, I think they would still be good. Like, you'd still be yeah. putting up way more stats than you have Absolutely. been in the past. But this is a whole other level right now. This that, is a combination that of personality, on. talent, scheme, yeah. And um, and 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 we'll get to Slinger's role in this in a little bit because be he, he I think he had a big weekend. Uh, but okay, let's start with number one of Brody Miller's top ten things <laughs> that need nightmare. to be discussed. <laughs> uh, following LSU's thrilling win at Texas, the receiving core is one of the best in college football, and this is important, Brody, because I thought that while. You definitely could just you could see the raw talent at LSU receiver wise. Yeah. It still felt a bit absurd to actually maybe like put them up there with like an Alabama receiving core or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, but now after two games, these lead three guys look like a problem. Yeah. Like for anybody, anybody that wants to square up, Terrace Marshall is viewed as your third receiver right now, <laughs> and Terrace Marshall was... looks like a number one at like ninety percent of the schools in the Absolutely. country. And it's the way that they all almost like bring something a little different, yes. right? First off, Justin Jefferson was their best receiver last year as an outside guy, and now he's your slot guy. By the way, he's meant to be a slot guy. That's a perfect fit. No linebacker and safety can really stick with them. But you just have all these different things. So it would be these stretches where, like, all right, Jefferson dominated early, then Marshall dominated, then Chase took Oof. over the game. Chase it, had moments, man, where he, and I think that's why people I, talk about like him. the best player on the field. So that's why I wrote. Yeah. And, and okay, and so the, and that is interesting, right? Because uh I I, I Ross kind of said the same thing and it's like why so Justin Jefferson had statistically the best game. Yeah. He made two of the biggest plays with the incredible catch um on the back shoulder throw, which I say that incredible. Was incredible. I say it's incredible. It's an incredible throw cuz it is literally exactly where you need that ball. Everything was perfect. And he he made the catch look so routine that maybe you don't appreciate how yeah. hard it is until yeah. you really watch it. Like, Judge Jefferson's running full speed, jumps, twists in the air, fully extended, brings it down, easy mode. So he makes that catch. Then on the third and 17, yeah. he I mean, perfect throw again, but, like, he breaks away with the speed, yards, the great yeah. stiff arm, gets – like, so, okay, so on a night when he could do all these amazing things and have three touchdowns, how impressive were the plays that Jamar Chase made that a lot of people, like, that's who people are talking about on the other side I, of this I thing. know, it was really tricky when I was writing this, and, and you, you hit it perfectly. Like, Jefferson technically had a better game. And, yeah. and I'm, I, by the way, I still think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver on this team. Like, overall, everything considered. I'm not arguing that. But Jamar Chase is so much talent, and you kept hearing it. And there were just times. The difference is, like, just, and this is part of receiving, so I'm not, like, making it sound like one's less valuable than the other. But a lot of Justin Jefferson is he's so good at getting open. He's so good at just, like, being smart and beating a defense. Jamar Chase was just physically just dominating these guys. And I think the most impressive thing I saw was that he became the guy that when Joe Burrow would just, like, drop back, pressure's coming in, and he just needed to get it out, and he didn't have a check down, he would just chuck it up in the, like, yep. I'm, I don't know if it's more few complicated. A few that. big plays, like like just big third downs and stuff. Just go, chuck go it to up Chase. in Chase's area. Chase wasn't even halfway through his route yet, would make his cut, turn around, the ball would be right there, and he would, you know, the corner would be draped all over him. He would just physically beat him and make him miss. He just looked, like, Jefferson, Jeff, Justin Jefferson is a fantastic college receiver and will probably be a very good NFL receiver. One article. Chase looked like a pro receiver. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, the, I mean, J- Jamar Chase literally ended up on the You Got Mossed segment. On, you really? um Yeah, on NFL game day. Uh, was Moss there? 
Yeah, because that's what Moss does. Like Moss does the okay, you got Moss. Okay. They got rid of knocked up because it turns out that doesn't play anymore. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, and they started you got mossed where it's anybody who just jumps up and bodies, you know, just jumps up and takes the ball over the top of someone. And they were like, "Oh, you just do that because your son plays at LSU." And he's like, "No, man, check this out." <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, sure enough, there's Jamar Chase. Um, one article that I did not read by our guy Cody Warsham, I read part of it, but I never got to finish it. That I really wish I would have okay. now was how they how the receivers trained to improve their catching ability this offseason. Did you read that? I did read that. It was very well done. Okay, so um, no, I, yeah, it was. I feel like it's paying dividends, right? Like I've, I, I, I feel like last year drops were a bit of an issue, and this year it's been a thing of the past. Yeah, I remember we asked Joe Brady back in like I don't know what was that in June. We're like, so what's like? I mean, we talked about all these scheme things, all this stuff, but like, what's something that you just think you just inherently do differently than what they were doing last year? And he's like, he kind of smirked. He didn't tell us specifics, but he's like, I run some weird drills. <laughs> like he's like, I do. And Cody's story was fantastic, and really dove into that and got some great access of all of the just bizarre things they do so what were they they were like catching balls like doors like would be door like a door closed. would be closed and then it opens and they have to catch the ball when it's there which just goes right back to what jamar chase yes is doing. That's, yeah that's why that's uh, what made me think wearing about it. batman masks and there's so much good stuff in there and i really do recommend reading it um but yeah no joe brady was uh there was one thing that uh chase was telling me a month a few weeks ago that basically they would make them run routes through the shoots you know, like through the low. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, like, they yeah. would have to just, like, stay disciplined, run your route while, like, basically doing a limbo. Just all these things to try to make life difficult for you so it's actually, like, what would happen in a game and not Damn. just, like, doing drills with nobody there. So, I mean, and I'm sure. I love the creativity. I'm I, curious. I, mean, I know. The one thing, and I didn't, I don't think I completely finished the story either, so we're terrible. But <laughs> I want to know, like, how much of this was, like, stuff he brought from the Saints and how much is this just Joe Brady coming up with stuff. I'm really curious there. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, we're not even talking about Terrace Marshall because he had the less, le- least like exciting game. <laughs> but some of the plays he made were off the charts. He caught the first deep ball downfield. He had over 100 yards as well. Three yeah. LSU receivers with 100 yards and a top 10 game on the road. I never thought I would see it. But uh, the last thing I'd say is Chase, the thing that really stood out about Chase, and I think why he popped to people like me and Ross and whatnot, was that there was just a stretch. He didn't really get the ball until late second quarter. Yeah. But there was a stretch in the third quarter, when, especially when else you really needed it. That's what I'm about to say. He, he was just he was punching back over, the momentum, right? He like took over the yeah. game for about a whole quarter. It was, You're right. It was just there was nothing that corner could do. I didn't think about that. The timing of it with Chase was critical to how impactful it felt. Uh, just because that was like, I mean, you cannot open a second half better than Texas did yeah. after going down 20-7. to seven. Now, LSU, you cannot close a first half better. Than they absolutely. did so absolutely credit Texas for overcoming you know managing to mentally forget about the two goal line failures and 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 then having the ha- having the lead balloon to twenty to seven and the other teams getting the ball like that was concerning Texas comes out they do three and out they score a touchdown hold them a field goal score a touchdown and then they never looked back from there by the way one of those touchdowns a nineteen play drive the defense just we'll, we'll get into we'll it we'll get into uh, that later yeah but but I guess the point being there. Um, credit Texas, and then I think also credit Jamar Chase and LSU because one of the questions I had coming into this game was could they absorb a punch? Like what happened the first time when they really got rocked and they passed all those tests and then some this weekend. And that's, uh, I think, where Burrow, of all the things Burrow did incredibly, I think that's where he deserves the most credit. And it goes to Chase, goes to receivers too, but just 
every like you said, every single time they took a punch and could have gotten away from them, Joe Burrow let another touchdown drive. Yeah, and it was so crazy, man. Like as it turned, it. yes, as it turned to twenty three twenty, I was I was at the neighbor's house. We're doing dad shit. There's like kids running around everywhere. We're drinking beers, watching the game, and um, I guess the kids are asleep by this point. But 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 anyway, the point being like. I remember looking around, it was 23-20, and you just knew you weren't going to be able to stop the rest of the day. And I was like, all right, boys, this is where we're going to find out. Like, do we live in the era of LSU football where the offense can win you this game on the road? Like, in this environment? Yep. Like, is is that the world we live in now? And by the end of the night, uh, the answer was yes. And it just felt so good. Last thing on Terrace Marshall, um, six catches, five of them went for first downs, one went for a touchdown. Yep. So, very effective day. Marshall. Okay, number two, the LSU four-man rush needs improvement. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, we asked that Ojean yesterday, you know, when you watch the film, like, now that you've had a few days, you look over, like, what was the thing that led to Texas dominating your defense in the second half? 38 points total, four, 530 yards. Did not, they, didn't, they, didn't they, a, they scored every they scored drive, right? every single second half Ooh, drive. Geez. And the first thing, granted, I, I've said this, and I have a story that ran today purely about what happened to the defense today and kind of what happened with the pass rush, but the first thing he said was, we couldn't contain the quarterback, and our pass rush didn't work. Yeah. And he gave us a really an- good answer today. which He did. It was very detailed. Yes. I enjoyed it. Basically, I enjoyed it, too. And that's what, <laughs> that's what today's story is about in The Athletic, so please read it. But uh, LSU basically went with like a, their approach was, we can't let Sam Ellinger run. So they went with a cage rush approach, which is basically more about, you know, bull rushing, driving, and just trying to contain that pocket. And it just flat out didn't work. I mean, his arm, his arm beat you. Well, first off, he still ran. Like, he still <laughs> found true, running lanes. True, like, yeah. there would be drives where they would just – they would get a nice push. They'd be closing the pocket, but he'd still find a lane. He finished with, with sack yardage um, adjusted. He ran for 88 yards on 14 carries. Oh, wow. And then the other thing was that strategy just gave him more time in the pocket, and that put so much pressure on that secondary, and he threw for 401 yards, and, yeah, that was a problem. It is kind of weird that they threw for 401 yards, and I come out of this game – Thinking that Derek Stingley yep. and, and Fulton. Christian Fulton are just some beasts, just some like like they 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 still look like the best duo in the country to me. Well, they didn't get beat at all. Well, Fulton, okay, I take that back. Fulton had one really bad mess up where it was just a weird like his gaff. Yeah, 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 that's all it was. Yeah, but so I misjudged talked to, it. Talked to Jacoby Stevens a lot about this yesterday, and he gave me a. I mean, he's always great, but he gave me a fantastic answer about what like happened with the passing game. Because the way else you got beat was not the outside. Corners. It was all Duvernay in the middle. The it was fast all cap. in the middle. How about this? So when Duvernay and Kerry Vincent were going up against each other, that's the Texas six A one hundred meter state champion no in Duvernay, shit. and the Texas six A two hundred meter state that's champion fantastic. in Kerry Vincent. That might be the fastest matchup, literally in all of college that's football. Awesome. Yeah, but. Jacoby Stevens gave this fantastic answer about, like, where I'm like, okay, but what happened in the middle of the field? Why was it so open there? And he told me basically, okay, when they went into this game, you'll enjoy this. <laughs> when they went to this game, yeah. their, their number one plan was we can't let Colin Johnson beat us with the deep ball. That was yes. the number one thing. He's yes. one of the best receivers in the country. Six-foot-six guy, uh, great jump ball guy. So they said what they found was when, they, when, when the defense goes two high safeties, Texas basically never tries that. So what, oh, so okay, what they did okay. was they went two high safeties, but then all game they rotated. They would show two high safeties, disguise it, and then rotate into either cover three or cover one with one high safety. Mm. What Jacoby Stevens said was, you know, one that led to rotating and whatnot, which led to its own lost a lot of guys confusion. over the middle. Though, yeah, and also just the way the defense was set up, it left pockets for short plays, and that was fine. He was saying like that wasn't necessarily the problem. Like that was the game plan. They could have stopped it. 
The problem came in the second half after the 19-play drive specifically when, okay, you have this hole in the defense and you're exhausted. Yes. And that's when the tackling issue started. Yeah. So, like, they would have been you know, contained them to short checkdowns, whatnot, and set up some third downs and probably won some of those. But you're missing tackle, missing tackle, missing tackle, and that's how DuVernay finished with, like, what, 150 yards or so? And that's probably how LSU really got beat. Yeah, and I mean that that makes so much sense here. That when you look at the defensive performance, you really do have to look at, uh, or you don't have to. How I look do at it, it is, um, yeah, fuck you, don't do this. Uh, no, it's like it's it's just it's a complete tale of two halves. Like yep. you forget how shockingly kind of good they were in that. Not kind of how shockingly good they were in the first half. Yep, they held a Texas team that had two first and goal opportunities. To seven points in the entire half. Like, it looked great. Texas looked a bit hapless for a minute there. You even had the momentum play of of, of on a really nicely designed twist with, I think it was Queen blitzing in the A-gap. But instead of just being a normal tackle in twist where that tackle's trying to get on that, uh, the, the the offensive tackle's hips at the end can loop around and come inside, that he came off of Queen's hip, whatever. A nicely yeah. designed twist where Kalevon gets a big sack, Stingley gets a nice return, you get the big touchdown, like it looked like you were rolling. But as you said, man, it is, let's put it in context what a 19-play drive actually is. I think the LSU school record is 18. Um, I might have been 2011 at Tennessee. I'm not entirely sure. But, like, I think 19 was the Texas school record. Like, they, those don't happen. Those never happen in football. Uh, it's literally record-setting. And so... What I keep going back to the analogy that makes sense to me is that is like a a a boxer just getting rocked. He can be a great boxer, but he just gets hit with the wrong shot, a haymaker that he never recovers from, and and from that moment on, that LSU defense never recovered. And we'll get to that. Well, I want to dive into that. That's number four. So let's dive into that in a little bit. But the last thing I want to say about the pass rush is, yeah, Edo's because we talked about how their cage rush and that was the plan. They did adjust, like you said. Dave Aranda realized that wasn't working. I mean, obviously you kind of had that holding thing going on, which I don't want to dive into. But. I don't think just – I think the refs called an excellent game. Um, I think the holdings they got were the most egregious. I think a lot of times Cosby people, played a fantastic game. I, yes. I think a lot of times people mistake holding for what O-linemen are actually taught to yes. do. If you get your hands inside the framework – so, like, on their chest, and you lock onto those shoulder pads, as long as, like, now if they're trying to pull away and you, like, jerk them back to and you. like, two or, or three of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but even those were a bit, like, it wasn't, like, egregious. Like, the offensive lineman still kind of had a right to be in those those spots. I, okay. I, I actually thought it was just great O-line play. And I'm no. glad the refs let everybody get a little handsy on both sides of the ball. Um, I thought it was very consistently called game but uh okay so yeah so so, so yeah. back to that they, they anyway so yeah that first rush. half yeah absolutely i mean cosby beat caleb on chasson there's no way other way to put that he had a great game and especially the first half and then dave started making some adjustments started going some different looks started like you said getting those little crosses to get inside and send you know caleb or patrick queen or michael divinity inside a lot of 2d linemen looks where they sent pressure up in the middle yep. and that's what started making a difference and, and that's why i just want to bring up Ed Ogeron basically admitted, if I could do this differently, I would have just let our guys rush all game and not try to get cute with it, basically. Isn't that kind of funny, though, because they were better in the first half than they were in the second half. That is funny. But, 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 but I think that was for a lot of different reasons. So that's what I was going to say. I don't know if we can judge. That, that, that's why it's tough. You can't. It's tough to judge anything from that second half post a 19-play drive, which was right off the bat, yeah. because that combined with maybe some under-preparation as far as um, – 
dealing with a dry heat versus a humid heat that that then have caused some problems. Okay. Let's dive into the nineteen play now then because that's number four and we'll get back to number three. Perfect. Let's dive into it. Love that. Now, I think so. At halftime, I, I saw Tom Herman talking. Not saw him. He was on TV, but he was talking to uh, Maria Taylor, and he said the number one thing he was angry about was like we just look timid out there. We yeah, look, we, and like that's you know Tom Herman's number one thing since he got there was like this is going to be a physical football team. We're going to be a physical back twelve, uh, Big Twelve team. So they came out in that second that's half. So mean you just said that to them. Pac-12. I know. I, I got, you guys very, don't hate me. Very, Do we have Big 12 fun. listeners? Um, um, no, but probably yeah, not. And first three plays. We have that, a Big 12 offense, though. <laughs> nice. Well played. Yeah. And first thing they did is they came out and just pounded the ball on the ground for, I think, three or four plays straight and just went right at him. And, you know, they were winning that battle. They, they were going out all out. And then all of a sudden you're wearing them down. Then you're getting screens. And it very good on third down, too. It seemed like every time the second half, Ellinger got in yeah. third and long, he was getting that's the it. thing. It wasn't like inherently bad LSU defense. It was no, like three I, yards, four yeah. yards, six yards. It was just quick. And they but that can start a snowball. Exactly. Right? They get a few yeah. of those. You're getting more tire, which creates more of those. And then you're just entered in this vicious cycle where you almost feel helpless on third down. And so if you watch a lot of Saints football, you've experienced those feelings. And, and like, I know, like, some listeners or people, you know, non-LSU people might be like, Okay, like stop complaining. They got tired. Like, okay, people get tired, but you saw it. Like, it actually like happened. Like, yeah. you saw three guys go down with cramps. You yep. saw two guys go down with injuries, and I think I might even be leaving one other thing out. I mean, by the eighth play, you saw yeah, the eighth play, Tyler Shelvin went down with a cramp. Tenth play, you saw a tire Grant Delpit miss a really easy tackle, and then three plays later, miss another really easy a tackle. tackle. That I mean, uh, that what is that like a thirteen-yard swing? Yep. It would have been about third and sixteen compared to like third and what, six in end up something, or like, something that. like that. Yeah, Ten and Grant Delpit. On the, a lot of people on this defense miss tackles. Grant Delpit doesn't miss tackles. Yeah, he was he was clearly exhausted, missing two in a row in five plays, and then and then you have all these bodies rotating out because everyone is getting tired. So then all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a situation where you have you know you know Damone Clark out there who as good as Damone Clark probably will be. It probably wasn't a great spot for him. Yeah. Or, or Christian Fulton was that the drive? Christian Fulton? No, no, that was first half. But no, no, no. I was so terrified that Christian Fulton rebroke his foot. Oh, me too. Because of the impact of it and just what he was holding. I think holding. that's still something worth following in the coming weeks. Just I was terrified. He was. The only thing is, pain. though, like if it was something, if it was something bad, then I have no idea how he did what the rest of he did yeah. Saturday night was. Like that. That's why I feel okay. About I was it. on the sideline for the final, you know, six minutes or so, and I, I'm watching a matchup right there on the field, and yeah. you could just see. I mean, he was laboring. It was. He was. Oh, in pain. really? And that's football. I mean, but but he was in. He looked like he was in some pain. Okay, never mind. See, I was. That's what I was. I, I was saying that he was so good for the rest of that game that like I figured that there was no way. So maybe he was just balling out while. Not feeling uh, 100%. I tried to rewatch that touchdown and gave up over and over, and you couldn't quite get the right angle. But I almost, because that was you know, maybe 10 minutes after he hurt himself. Yeah. I, it looked like he was like cut up, went to make a cool play, not cool play, but and like just couldn't get the weight on that that he wanted. I'm curious. I can't. Ah. And that's me. I'm guessing. I'd have to go rewatch. To me, it I looked couldn't like. Couldn't figure it out. Yeah. To me, it just looked like, and this was, this was watching it. Um, no, I guess I'll watch the replay. I guess I just didn't watch that that part. That I, well, I, just my, how my brain interpreted it was that he just simply misjudged the ball, like like how like where how far it was going to be thrown, and he had it red, right? Like he was yeah. going for the pick, like he had it, but because he misjudged it, and then you realize the last minute he misjudged it, that's where the awkward like I think you're probably right twist stumble came from. I. Christian Fulton, we hope that he's all right. I, I don't think he rebroke his foot. No, but, no. But, but so, but but it's something to a lot of guys. I think are maybe a little banged up. You might see them chill this weekend against a very <laughs> or even bad for a few weeks. Yeah. Northwestern State team. One thing about the cramping too. I don't know if this is 
how much of this is tinged with propaganda. But, um, <laughs> you know, what I was told from guys uh, in the program, I guess, is that because it was a dry heat versus a humid, wet heat, that cats weren't sweating as much, and so people weren't drinking water as much because they weren't thinking that they were getting tired. And then, and That's then all of a sudden, they're 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 cramping. Uh, I actually find that kind of believable because I I mean I know about the conditioning that these guys go through, and it's never failed in the past. So it's like, I mean, the 19 play drive definitely is the obvious main culprit of all of this. But I guess what what is a little frustrating about that though, if that is the case, it is a training room issue. Like you you have to be on top of proper hydration ahead of the environment you're going to play in. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. It's really interesting and believable, and considering we're in a week of conspiracy theories and no AC in the locker room and, and nonsense storylines, if that's that's the most believable thing I've heard this week. So <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Or you know what? Oh, you know what? Maybe sometimes even simpler. Maybe it's just you had a 19-play drive in 100-degree weather, Shit and so your body died. Sometimes the, my biggest, like, <laughs> I've come to the conclusion in my life now, I'm 25 now, is that I'm not very old, I know, but... Like, He's a I great think, writer at 25, though, I think y'all. the answer to most things in this world that we think are really complicated is yeah. just shit happens. Yeah, yeah, Some no. things are just random. Straight up. But Which the biggest... kind of a t- more terrifying thought than it being ordered, but yeah. that's a... That's- that's a deeper let's hole. A yeah, 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 <laughs> my bad. Let's, let's back, <laughs> back, back up a little bit. But I think the biggest, you know... All the things about getting tired and all that. The biggest casualty of that drive, though, was on play 18. Rashard Lawrence going down, gets double team, lands awkwardly in the end zone. Already has, you know, historically kind of troubled ankles. And the only thing that I felt kind of good about is I thought because of how he was reacting, um, I thought for sure it was a like broken fibula because yeah. I've done that. I got to play with a few screws in there and. I just felt like I could feel the exact pain that he was in through the screen with his body movements because the same movements that like I felt like I made, right? Okay. Uh, but when he was able to even put some weight on it, that told that that, that that's okay. like I'm hoping that it's I don't think that it's broken anymore because when my when my shoe was snapped, you could not you could not step on it without it like shifting or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't, but I mean like uh, you just got. I mean I think they can be careful with him for the next few weeks yes. though and. Yeah, you know, he's probably going to be Yes, fine. My, my point is I was worried, though, that we were looking at like a two-month, like a yeah. two- to three-month thing. I That's don't, a huge loss. Yes, I, and I don't feel that way anymore. I, I, I think I think they're going to give him the next few weeks off, but I feel like he can be back sooner rather later. To be honest, it's uh, – and I don't want to name injuries here because we are completely surmising, so that's what I'll preface this with. I am just 1,000% guessing through the television <laughs> here. Um High ankle sprain looks like something that could be a little realistic, and the only way to solve those is to just get off it okay. for an extended period of time. And, so we'll see. And what look, their next four weeks are. And St. Glenn Logan also got injured too. And he Which both, sucks because he's finally just – Glenn Logan's looked so good these yeah. first two weeks, man. Remember remember, like three weeks ago you and I were like, what's up with Fahoko not being the guy? And, wow. and I mean, it looks like – Fahoko looks like the odd man out right now. He really does. Well, now he's going to probably start for a week or two or maybe more. But He'll have a chance of pets of stats these next few weeks, Fahoko. Yeah, will. but, I mean, Glenn Logan looks really good. And the biggest bummer, not for me, I don't care, but for LSU was – Logan had just gotten a sack before he got hurt, like three plays earlier. Yeah. The pass rush, Caleb was getting there too. The pass rush was just finally starting to get to him. Ah, that's a good point. And then Logan goes down, then Caleb goes down for like a few plays, and all of a sudden, like all that little bit of defensive momentum just shot, and they gave up a third down. And, it's uh, so it's it's a huge bummer for Logan. I don't know what the deal is there, but I expect you won't see him for a couple weeks as well. But uh, it especially sucks for him because. 
it feels like he's he's been working so hard to get to this point. Now he was finally having that game yep. day on field success. And remember, he was the only guy that always runs it didn't miss a single rep during all of camp. So um, and he might he might be completely fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll but see. It's worth we'll see. Yeah, I just don't know. Um, right. something to keep an eye on going forward. But but hopefully both those guys back by the time you hit the meat of the SEC schedule because you're going to need them. Let's jump back to number three. Yes. So nothing and, else on the 19 play drive. It's it, it's absurd, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, number three, Derek Stingley Jr. Just as good as advertised. I mean, this isn't news to anybody, right? It's like we all knew he was arguably the number one overall high school player in the country, and he's not your like raw like this guy might be a stud type of number one player in the country. He was a fully. F- I always joke he's a robot. That's what yeah. I would say about. Him. I mean. That guy has been groomed, and not like in a Murnovich scary way, but like I no like a been... Westworld like uh, we created AI and made this human being out of nothing to be a cornerback yeah, way, but not even no, in a, like no, messing no, the know, kid up know, way, know. you know? Like yeah, like no, his and, parents are great. Yeah, they're his, fantastic. His, his, his dad's great. He's got a great family. Yeah, no, he's just one of those guys. Like okay, like a. Uh, like like LeBron James has been famous since he was 16 years old. So not a bad example. And yeah. he is just a guy who, from day one, has gotten it both on the court and he's just incredible. Like he just has everything. Like like a Drew Brees just seems to be a perfect human I, being. Like Derek Singley's cut from that cloth. I want to compare him to Mike Trout, but even that doesn't work because Mike Trout was not a top like five prospect coming out of high school either. You know? I know like, nothing about Mike Trout's past. He feels like a Marinovich project to me. Is Mike he Trout, not? No. Oh, okay, Mike Trout great. was like, oh, I, by the way, I played South, South Jersey uh, high school baseball around Mike hey, Trout. Yeah. Nice. He's the pride of Millville, New Jersey. Nice. But no, no, he was, I mean, he was a late first round pick, but he wasn't like some like superstar yeah. guy. That was Bryce Harper. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it felt like a shot at Bryce Harper. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. Like Derek Stingley was so just polished and ready to come on here. He early enrolled in the whole storyline of all Fiesta Bowl season was this guy would be our starting corner and our best corner on the team right now. I mean, he's that good, but you just kept hearing it. You kept hearing it. And it's one thing to be look great in practice, but you keep thinking – it's another to match up against Texas or SEC. Teams. Colin Johnson it's is a lot. 6'5", maybe first-round pick potential wide receiver. It's a receiver. lot to ask, yeah. If he Senior. got beat, I would be like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Not disappointed, Derek Stingley. And he was the best player on defense for LSU. <laughs> I mean, you're so right. It's it crazy to say. He locked him up. It's crazy Most of the best plays say. were the ones we didn't see because nobody could get open. And then some of those jump balls, there were two different you know, <sighs> shots to Johnson that he one of them was a perfect play. He actually got like tentatively beat by a few yards and he just well, and it was, the it ball was a out. great veteran push off by Colin Johnson yeah. where and I don't mean push off and that a flag should have been thrown because it was the perfect vet push off because it was so subtle. It was just to get a couple feet of separation. But what shocked me, Stingley immediately erased those couple Caught feet. Like up. immediately erased the gap. And then his ball skills, and you saw this in the later pass breakup as well. His hand placement is perfect. There's literally no other way to say it. Literal perfection. Go watch the deep ball where he gets pushed off. He comes back. Go watch immediately where hand goes. So not only does it go in between Colin Johnson's two hands right when the ball arrives, which is crazy in and of itself, but watch his fingers. He literally curls his fingers over Colin Johnson's hand and grips his hand and holds it so that Johnson can't catch the ball. Like, he can't close his hands because Derek Stingley is just manhandling, just just squeezing his fingers in a vice. And then Stingley comes up with a catch somehow. I mean, it's an inch away if it stays off the ground from being an interception. The kid is unreal. I mean, Colin Johnson did not catch a single pass in the first half. 
That was all with Stingley on him, pretty much. He did catch three in the second half, not for big gains, and none of them were on Stingley. Wow. Uh, Max Olsen from Athletic did a you know a, a post this morning that was basically just looking at some of the freshmen that really like broke out this week, led with Stingley, understandably, and he said he pointed he found out that Stingley has not allowed a completion on a target this season. No. It's two games. I mean, not. But but it's crazy. Yeah. Georgia Southern won. Uh, they weren't going to be the I one, one to do it. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it is shocking that in a game where 401 yards were thrown, that your true freshman quarterback didn't give up a single one of them. That is shocking. It's crazy. And I'm, I, I don't. I just want to bring this up because I always found this fascinating. I wrote a profile of him back in December when he was signing, and it was actually based around your radio show. My lead of that story was basically I was just blown. Um, so you guys are talking about comparisons, right? And all this stuff yeah. about like, you know, who do you think you are? And I think Jordy was like, are you prime time? Are you like Deion Sanders? And he like kind of just like really thought about it. And he's like, nah. Like Derek Stingley is not a sassy like attitude kid. No, no, But no. he kind of was like offended by that. It was like, <laughs> nah, nah, I'm not like that. So I asked him when I sat down with him like a few days later, like, you know, like what was that? You know, like what was going on there? And he's like, you know, Deion Sanders, he's all like flash, you know? And he's like, I'm more like technical and clinical and like yes. analytical and just he like think like he's a freak athlete he's 6'1 190 and built and strong but he hates the idea of thinking himself that way so it's like he thinks himself is just this perfect technical corner well and and his technique is in, insane yes. i mean it is like i said the the, the everything how, how he I mean, i'm watching this the hitching like the hitch breakup that he had that's in your article and his um hit the flip of the hips the footwork Getting there when the ball arrives, you cannot teach me. This is what is how good is this kind of kid going to be in year number three, <laughs> right? Like, like, what, like I'm like, curious. Like, is like there where's more? his ceiling? Like, what, how's this supposed? How do you get better? And then on the other side, Christian Fold's great. I know. Christian Fold's great as well. Don't Christian let Fold might be a first round pick. Don't let a bad misjudgment. Oh yeah. And and then they were battling, man. I don't mind a pi if you're battling. Then he get a pi later yeah, in the it game. Was, it wasn't so. It was very close. Thing. It was yeah. not egregious. Exactly. Um. um so Derek Sting is. And my last thing I want to say is because I'm just fascinated by this kid, but because like I said, he is a robot. But one of my favorite things that Derek Singley Senior said to me, and uh. And Derek, his dad's a former, you know, college cornerback himself, coached in the Arena League. Very, you know, he's a football guy. And he said the biggest problem with him, quote unquote, problem is that he doesn't know how athletic he is, or like he doesn't want to use that. Yeah. So it's like that's probably the last thing he has left is that you have all this technical stuff. Like, how do you actually just let yourself? Like, you can give somebody a bigger cushion. You're athletic enough. You know, it's things like that that I think he had to learn, which I just found fascinating. And 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 even maybe because he is so technical. I'll be interested to see. I mean, teams aren't going to attack him, so it's going to be tough to see. But like, is he how? Yeah, like, is he willing to use that athleticism to get pretty risky? Right, like if he's just kind of yeah, sussing some out, is he feeling like, like okay, like some guys, you just get that feel where sometimes in a game you just know something's coming. It's like okay, I'm going to jump this route. Now you can get burned, yeah, but that's also how you create like pick sixes and yeah. stuff. So, so we'll get. That's a good call. I can't wait to watch the rest of Derek Stingley's evolution. Also, he's a great punt returner. His yeah. little subtle punt return to set up the end of the first half drive was really good. It was good. so smooth. It was just like a really smooth 11 yards or so. Just, just super, cut. super easy looking. Yeah, and um, also the last time that he returned a punt for the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. Well, we didn't get to see much of it that second half. Um, right. Number five, number pass five. protection. Still a weakness, but it recovered. Uh, yeah, man, I thought that. Oh, yeah, I'll always defer to you on this. No, no, you don't have to defer to me um, because I, I think you actually, insights. I think I think you watched uh, even the O-line closer than I did. Uh, I did not really catalog the sacks as much. I haven't been as intense 
in my offensive line film study this year as I should have been. It wasn't egregious. It was um, just wasn't, yeah, no, no. It, it was. I, it, yeah. I came away thinking this was very solid, it's solid fine. line play. Yeah. Like this is this is a you know solid to even good, I guess. Considering the context of being on the road, dealing with the blitzes they dealt, to yeah. set up a 31 for 39 passing day, a lot of that goes to Burrow, but a lot of that goes to the O-line and uh, the running backs and uh, who were good at protection. And Torrey Carter had a great block at one point. Like There were a lot of yeah. people that had some nice hands I saw one protection. pass protection yeah. where Torrey Carter looked just- Owned a guy. Yes, and that was on a huge play. I've never noticed him do that before. Um, it was... No, I mean, he's that's an athletic cat to be able to go out there and just pass pro. He, he looked better in pass pro than some of the offensive No, linemen. I know, no. It was, like, that's what I'm saying. just that's, stuck him. Yeah. Yes, okay, so you saw the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then, Well, and then there's even, you know, on the third and 17. Um, I described that play as being beautiful because it is 11 guys doing what the 11 guys are supposed to do. It's what coaches dream of. But even within that 11, there's three heroic plays, and one is Clyde on the blitz pickup. The second is Burrow just on the incredible pocket presence and throw, and then obviously Jefferson. So so I, I come away very impressed with this group on the road yeah. and the success that they had against uh, Texas. Even it's not the best, but um, – It's not bad. It's not bad. The pass and, looks solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad, and, and, and it wasn't like and, – and, it wasn't just that you did all right. Like I said, you set up a 470-yard <laughs> passing day, so credit to that O-line. Yeah, and I think, it's, it's worth saying, first half pass protection looked rough. Yeah. And mainly on the left side, Adrian McKee, as we've said on the show many times, you, just, you probably don't want him being your starting yeah. defensive left guard. Even though i got to give a shout-out to my guy, he had the big pickup on the end of the first half touchdown from Justin Jefferson. Okay. He had the key block there. I and I just wanted one. to point right. that out because, Thank you. like I said, Adrian McGee um, – <coughs> We've talked about in the past, but that was really good. Yeah, all right, fair enough. But yeah, left side got beat him out, good amount. Also, keep in mind it's Sadiq Charles. It still is back. the weakest point, but it's absolutely still the weakest point. But I, the one thing I wanted to say though, and I'm, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is that I think if you look back on this past year and a half of when this pass protection has struggled most, it's and this isn't probably that genius of a thought, but it's when they face defenses that get really funky with their stunts. Yeah, and Todd Orlando did that. So you even look you look back at the southeastern Louisiana game last year, which was one of the like ones everyone points to of like, wow, the pass protection got beat by an FCS team. That they did some weird stuff. Uh, Florida, Todd Grantham. It, it's not like LSU often just gets flat out beat by a pass rusher yeah. like one on one. That's rarely what happens. It's more just confusion. It's more communication issues. It's more not picking up this guy because he disguised it. It's that's where they get beat so often. And Todd Orlando at Texas does that really well. But when you look at games like I think Georgia comes to mind where they played pretty well that game. A few others. Auburn stood out. Yeah. Those teams don't do anything that creative. They're just Good like point. we're gonna beat you and they I, did I think fine. the only team that really dominated them just beating them one on one uh, Zuniga and Florida last yeah, year. Like they 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 they, they, they get creative, but I mean, well, in Alabama, sorry, those but. yeah yeah. Well, that That's was just that category. was Quentin Williams just you know doing Quentin Williams things. Yeah. Um. So that's something that I, I agree with you on, and what it made me think is that one part of the new offense that we are underrating is for whatever reason, and I would love to be in those rooms so I could further understand this. Um, however, they are coaching the the protection calls now is much easier to grasp than the old rules were, okay. uh, because it looks like they are able to sort out things way better. Uh, to go to that stadium where I know you couldn't really hear, and to be able to communicate in the way that they did, and not really have that many 
missed assignments. Um, I, I with that with all those different looks they were getting. Yeah, I think that. I think that the overhaul of the offense has extended even to how the okay. protections are understood and called by the players. And and college pass protection be a weird thing. Like even when I was in college, I never, I never fully. And even as someone who's used very smart and got the offense, I felt like I didn't fully ever fully 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 understand pass protection until I spent like a few months trying to make an NFL roster. Like yeah. like I I, I thought that. Maybe it wasn't always the most effectively communicated, and I feel like maybe that was a bit more of the case last year, and that it looks like uh, the changes that they made are already paying dividends this year. And last thing that's worth mentioning of why it got, because it got much better in the second half, and they really didn't have any problems in the second half. Uh, I wasn't at this interview, so I'll credit, you know, Brooks Cubino was there, I think James Brand was there. They asked Lloyd Cushenberry yesterday, like, all right, what adjustments did you guys make to kind of fix that? And he said, we went faster. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. really, I think that's what changed. Joe Burrow said something like that as well. Just, they just, they realized this and just got the ball out fast. And that's what Joe Burrow went off. And, and to be fair, um, this just goes back to everything you say about the O-line. If the O-line looks way better, it is also, if every player in this offense looks way better, it is, yes, because they put in the work and they improved in the offseason, but it is really also because for the first time in a long time, the offensive players are being put in good positions to succeed. Nailed it. Yeah, I mean, it's just after years of making them overcome things, they are now, like, giving them a, a, a platform from which to fly, like, to really <laughs> to really show what they can do. And so, yeah, this offensive line is going to continue to look better and better. We mentioned the kicking in the state right now. Uh, Cade York's a beast. Three yes. of three on the road, no doubters. His own head coach tried to ice him, and he still <laughs> – and he still <laughs> knocks it in, no problem. Yeah, I don't even have too much to like add here. I don't have much insight to add on a kicker. But, yeah, the question was, can an 18-year-old kid go into DKR in Tiger Stadium and, and handle you know, making high-pressure kicks? He need a few high-pressure ones. And Everything in that game was high-pressure. Yeah, Everything in yeah. that game, like you well had put. to, you had to, any mistake was going to be fodder for the other team to gain momentum. Because you already knew he was one of the most talented kickers in the country. He's got a big leg. He's really talented. Just can't he handle that? And he's five for five in his career so far. Made three, went three for three at Texas. I mean, and how many said, touchdowns did she scored now? He's probably like oh, yeah, eleven also, of eleven you, yeah. on extra points or something. Yeah, I don't know. Good point. So yeah, I I just think all right, you can trust him. You know that now, and you know he's talented. And it's like okay, you might have your kicker for the next four years. <sighs> what another cat who I'm like. How good is this guy gonna be? Yeah, I called him a Lou Gro- future. He didn't start, this is true with most kickers, so it's worth mentioning. But like, he was a soccer kid who didn't really start doing kicking lessons until he was a junior. I um, classic sports talk fashion. I said he's a future Lou Gross winner this morning. So what a hot guarantee take! Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Yep. That, guarantee that's the it. kind of content I'm here for. Is really Guar- niche hot takes. Just like it. you know, man. This guy's got Ray Guy in his future. You know, just like, hey, who's Von Rosenberg might this yeah, season? True. But like, who's fact checking that? You know, like, no, yeah, who's like, right. I don't you're know, right. man. Right. Purdue's got a guy <laughs> who's pinning it at the five. Just wait, show me another freshman kicker who's as good as Cade York. I dare yeah. you. Yeah, it's like it's like when you could just, if you really wanted to, you could come in with some really hot, like nuanced offensive line takes that nobody can correct. Yeah, oh, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. You know the way he's stepping with his left foot. Just like yeah, man. if you deliver it with confidence, well, it is the ultimate, and and I'm probably guilty of this, uh, like maybe a lot of us are, but you just say we watch the film. Right? I mean, if you if <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, you know, I watch the tape, I watch the tape, I broke it down, and then whatever you say after that, people have to be like, well, yeah, I got to yeah. give it some credence because. <laughs> 
I didn't watch this the film. This guy watched the YouTube stream. Yeah, of this yeah, game. Exactly. I, I didn't watch it. You know, God damn it. That's the only watch thing, the man. Watch the film of Joe Burrow. You I know? really. You didn't follow through enough. I really want to learn about route concepts and route no. combinations and how they work. Uh, I don't know what a good resource for that is, but I need access to the wide angle film and the tight shot film and you just can't get your hands on it, You know man. we should sign up for, man? You know those master classes? You know, the Aaron Sorkin <sighs> yes, ones? Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, like we, we should find that for route. Yeah, routes. yeah, where, exactly. We could do it we together. Could, it where like is Joe thing. Brady? Nice. Where, uh, we, we need Joe Brady out there teaching a master class in route combinations. And then Ed would yell at him, like, you're giving us stuff away. For real, though, Peyton is the... Uh, oh, something else I want to correct. I think on a previous podcast, Uh-oh. I said that... Um, when we're talking about similarities between LSU and the Saints, and I kept mentioning bunch formations, I like how Herbie said it during the game, Ooh. where it wasn't because the bunch is kind of its own thing, right? Um, he mentioned condensed formations, and that's what's really standing out to me okay. between the Saints and LSU is that a lot of times you're seeing these condensed formations where all your playmakers, you still got five guys going out, but they're starting all like kind of in the box. And so it becomes this almost breakout drill where it's very tough for the defense to decipher what's going to happen just because, well, it's like an explosion, right? You just you have your random bits going everywhere. But, yeah, I wish we had a better way to study route concepts, I, I guess, is that. Um, shout out to Kate York. I don't know how we ended up there. Kate York <laughs> that is very good. That was a bizarre jump. I guess we're talking yeah. film study. I have um, no idea. Uh, Kate York's very good at football. Um, so I, he, another, it's just, he is a microcosm of the whole team, which is every question you had has been answered so emphatically his first two weeks, maybe except for the defense. It's kind of interesting. I guess actually, no, there's another thing we should add on this. Greg McMahon. That's where this. Yes. He is the, he is the root of all good. Not enough teams have, it's a, it's a thing. You talk to kickers, you talk to them about it, about where they want to go to school. It comes like not many schools really put the resources into special teams. Bradley Dale Pivato, who is my guy, he recruited me back in the day, was a linebacker coach who was on the side these special teams coach yep, for that's, us. That's back what in most college. teams do, I feel like, <laughs> and I understand that. I mean, I understand a lot of people who maybe don't, you know, you might want to put resources elsewhere, but I think it matters. It matters, and you're finding it because Greg McMahon is a guy whose career is built on this. He, first off, he has the connections in that world more than maybe a, a Bradley Dale Pivato would. Yeah. No, 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 yes. Craig McMahon was a, is a long-ass, long-ass time special teams coach in the NFL. That's what he's looking for yeah. more than that. And he actually tries to, like, like I doubt, you know, I'm trying to think of the acronym. BPD, right? No, B. Badly, Badly, Badly Dale. Yeah, BDP. BDP. Uh, BDP. Big Dick Peeve. Like, I doubt he was spending much of his recruiting time being like, I got to find that kicker. While Greg McMahon, <laughs> like, that's his Whoa, life. hold on now. Les Miles used to love to offer some scholarships to kickers. All right. There, there was one year. There was, well, but but this is maybe even post Bradley Dale, but there was one crazy year where I think they had more kickers than linebackers on scholarship. <laughs> well, that's just being a It's kind of the yeah. dark 20, the, the 2015 That's the money ball of college been. football, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's High value. No, you're absolutely right, though. But look, Coach Pivotal was an incredible recruiter. He was not out there just, uh, like, you know, like you know, Craig McMahon. The biggest thing he looks for is like the personality type, he found things Kate like York. that. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. He found a guy at Assumption College. Like yeah. you know, I think that's where you're seeing the difference. And I'm not Kate York. Excuse me. He found Cole Tracy. Cole Tracy my it's bad. weird Both. that you knew what I was talking about though when I said Kate York. You my knew belt, I was talking belt, about Cole belt. Tracy, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. You ever seen Pacific Rim? Yes. We're drifting. Yeah. Are you the big machine guy? Well, no, we're both the big machine guy. I remember that's how they power the robots in Pacific Rim. You have two pilots, and their minds meld. Ah, you're right. And then, right. Yeah, yeah. How right. come? Come on. How it's do you, been a few years. I didn't see the Pacific sequel. Rim. It wasn't that good. Uh, uh, well, okay. Time out. First off, 
Yeah, Pac Rim Two sucked this because fast forward I never seconds. saw it. Uh, it was not made by Guillermo del Toro. Exactly. Though, so, yeah. like, what are we talking I about here? I saw some failed Guillermo. And yeah. exactly, exactly. He's an incredible also, filmmaker. You want to know something sad? I mean, I always love Guillermo del Toro, but I think the thing that I was like, ah, it doesn't look like my type of movie. And then I saw Kanye West tweet, and this is before he, you know his stock <laughs> went down, and he tweeted like in all caps, like, "This movie's genius." And I'm like, I think I gotta yeah. see this. Yeah, yeah, gotta go see Pacific Rim. It wasn't genius, but it was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's pretty good. It, it was, it was, it had good effects. I, I liked how Del Toro blended the big with the small. Like you'd have a robot fall into a building, but the last thing that it would hit was like the little dink, 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 dink on the desk. Really so it's like, so it's like a building falls, but then like yeah. at the end of it, it's just the smallest. I, whatever. I no, like that Pacific stuff Rim. matters, man. I like Pacific Rim. Um, I'm gonna rewatch it. I also love Shape of Water. Great movie. I gotta tell the story. I got a signed. Uh, oh, no. I tweeted about the Shape of Water trailer after it came out. Yeah. And this is like the most social influencer thing that's ever happened to me. Uh-huh. And the movie tweeted me back, and they sent me a signed Shape of Water Guillermo del Toro poster. How have you never told me this? Uh, I don't know. And now that is a poster that represents the best film. You know, a, a best, picture best picture winner with best director winner. Right? Did, did told her, I mean, come on. Shouldn't have won best picture, but that's a conversation Holy for another time. Holy shit. Uh, okay, we cannot go there. Uh, um, yes, it should. It could have. be a great movie without being the best picture of that year. It was a. I, I'm not going to say it was a weak year, but what would you have chosen over it? Lady Bird. Uh, um, I didn't see Lady Bird. You didn't see Lady Bird. I didn't see Lady Bird. I need to see Lady Bird. I, I also need to see number seven on this list. Nothing else to say to you. LSU is a true college football playoff contender. Earlier this week, I saw in the ESPN math projections that LSU at 53% has a 53% chance of making the playoff, which is third best in the country. Really? So a legit playoff contender. I mean, they look like they are the third or fourth best team in the country right now. Yeah. And you know you're probably going to win your next four games, or three games, I apologize. And Florida and Auburn, I'm... I mean, my big belief I've been saying since March is LSU is going to beat Texas, but still just lose one of those tricky games. I've been saying that. Yeah, I just think I think they go ten and two because. But anyway, that was before this, and I still think that because that's just how the SEC works, man. It's tough. You're well, gonna I, lose I, one I of think those I think, games, I, think but, I think we're being uh, we're almost like hedging our bets from a probability standpoint because as exactly you're saying, what I'm doing. yeah, the probability is that you drop one of those games, hundred yes, percent. But all of a sudden, Auburn does not look convincing. No. Florida, I think people are like reverting a little too hard on, but they still are not a top. Yes, 10 I, team. now I'm one thousand percent with you there. I'm still concerned about Florida. The second that you start thinking Felipe Franks and Dan Mullen are bad is when they. Dan, like, that's when Dan Mullen thrives. Yes, he just he was bites born you in the in darkness, the neck, and he just injects his stupid venom into you. Like they lost to Kentucky, everyone's like Dan Mullen's not going to work at Florida. <laughs> Dan Mullen finishes the top ten team like, yeah. every time you do that. Uh, but, I will say this about Auburn. Um, Sam Ellinger might have done really good against LSU's defense. I would have major concerns if I was Bo Nix going against this LSU defense. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, he's yeah, just, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think LSU will be a decently sized favorite in all in both of those games. Yeah, just yeah, things happen. But yeah, so all of a sudden you feel much better about those two games than you probably did three weeks ago. So all of a sudden you might be seven and zero, and then do I have my numbers right? Yep, Florida and obviously five and zero. Oh, no, okay. Florida. There's Northwestern so State. Vanderbilt, Utah State, that's in theory 5 and 0. Yeah. Then Florida, okay, so 7 and 0. If Florida you, if Auburn you, if 7 you win and 0. Those. Mississippi State's on the road. By the way, don't write that one off. That's a road game in Starkville. I'm a Joe Moorhead guy, call me crazy. They don't look great, but they don't look good. Don't. They don't look good. But though. Tommy Stevens was an Indiana commit at one point, so Okay, okay. You know, go Hoosiers. Um 
Well, okay, and and you know, and whatever, man. Maybe they get better as the year goes on. Oh, I no, guess. they don't look good. I'm not arguing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like I don't, I don't know, sitting yeah, here on a on a soapbox. If Dan Mullen was still there, I would give. I would say maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, so that's you know, in terms of just what your favorite and your eight now. At that point, you're probably two or three in the country. Who knows? Hmm. And you go to Bama. Hmm. Bama's defense is beat up. What a weird week that is going to be. That's going to be some shit. Um, it's going to be impossible to fight against the hope, but. After last year, I feel hopeless. Like I, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know. Like it's gonna be if if, they, if both teams are undefeated talk going into that game, it's going to be very interesting to see where LSU's fans' heads are at. What a ask for vacation that week. Oh my god, dude! Now, is there a bye week still before the Alabama game? Yes. Okay, so there's two buys. So that's that three game stretch. It's gonna be brutal. You have a buy, yeah. Yeah, two buys this year. Um, so two weeks of LSU fans. If if oh, we play this and you're undefeated, two weeks of LSU fans tearing their hair out trying to decide if they're actually good enough to compete or not this year. Yep. Wow. Um, it's gonna be intense. I mean, let's the LSU has the offense to actually make that a game now. You know, until LSU modernized its offense, there was just no point discussing it. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, they have the offense to do it. You know, you have questions about the defense, sure, but chances are that gets figured out. You have an offense to beat them. I still think Alabama's the first or second best team in the country. I still think they're better in a vacuum, but, like, they're beat up on defense. You lose Moses. I'm, I'm forgetting the other one they, they lost. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate Alabama. There's an opening. Yeah. Yes. No. 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 Well. Okay. Ah, see, I don't know. We're don't doing know. it. I don't know if I can go there with you yet. I think there I'm might not be. Predicting I predicting LSU win. No, I don't know. But but no, that's what I'm saying. I am beyond hope. So it's like yeah, you I'm have like, to. Yeah. I'm like the 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 Gauls like after like. Uh, like Rome, you know, you have you have this little revolution. You think like, okay, yeah, man, we're gonna throw off the yoke of of Roman oppression, and the next thing you know, yeah, they've right. they've taken all of your women, they've salted your lands, and I feel like I've been kowtowed. I feel like I'm back in line, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, how much are you in taxes this year? <laughs> Fuck, your regional governor well is killing us. He's taking all of our resources unfairly. Uh, that was good. And that, well, that's how I feel. That no. is no that is no exaggeration. How I feel with Alabama, I feel like a bit of a broken man, and it hurts to say that out loud, but it is what it is. Maybe over these next eight weeks, the hype train is already rolling, and there's already yeah. a seed growing in the back of my mind. Maybe by the time we reach that moment later in the year, I'll feel differently. See, you just yeah, you're right. You just made me realize I became my worst enemy of somebody who overreacted two weeks and is already starting the conversation of like they could no, I'm not doing that. I'm not. Yeah, doing but it's it. not, I'm not it's believing not crazy. They're going to be favored in every game. Yes. So it's not crazy. I know. I'm just, I became my worst nightmare. Yeah, it happens. So, dude, you get to, you get to talking, you get excited, your brain starts spinning. I know how it goes. And then you just end up places. Um, yeah, you just went on a thing about, I, I actually zoned out halfway through, but I heard I, taxes I just, I know, I know, I know, dude. It's just like, um, it's it just feels like we just, uh, we're grind, ground. I, I just feel, we like, almost a, missed I feel like a Roman city state. I just feel yeah. like we're just being ground out. And and now you just have to accept but, that you pay. But we actually taxes missed the point. Caesar. The point of this all was everyone said since the beginning if they go eleven and one, <laughs> they're good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. So we shouldn't even dove into Alabama yet because who cares? But if they that's, go, yeah, they're in position. Works, they actually look good enough to go eleven and one. Yeah. And Straight if up. You, if you go eleven and one, there's no Pac-12 team. You think as of right now, I don't think there's any Pac-12 team that gets in. Michigan did not look good enough. Ohio State looks pretty darn good. Eleven and one with a Texas win is going to be incredibly hard to beat. Because yeah, you assume it's Clemson, Bama. Ah, 
It all comes down George to what happens is not with Georgia. Georgia is not No, but Georgia would lose. The, the loser of the SEC championship would not, even if they had the same record, yeah, but what if George, would what, not. But what happens? if Yeah, if Georgia beats Bama, I don't see how LSU gets in. Oh, see, no, I disagree. I think that LSU would have to. Precedent has been set in the past where the loser of that you game would, doesn't get in. I see. Bama's a different set of rules, though. Yeah, but that would be, but that would, but that, exactly. And that's what everybody thinks. And that's the perception that they're always trying to fight against. So if you had Bama and LSU both with one loss. I think you got to go Bama. Oh, but Bama did win the head up, I guess, in that scenario. You got to go. And you got history. You know, at some point, I think the playoff committee, they think that way. The history thing's kind of flawed to me. Well, it's, it isn't. It well, isn't. You just know you can trust that program. I hate looking. I hate when people. Yeah, but then also play. you're giving them bias, right? Like you're giving them more opportunity. So if you with opportunity, you're going to have chances of success. And so, how can you know if you can't trust another program if they don't get the opportunity? Hundred percent. Um, I think the head up loss would be what would decide that. Not. That the fact that both teams are one loss because an undefeated Georgia team that loses in the SEC championship, I would say that eleven and one LSU would jump them. Yeah. Now, and we scary. just went straight back to insane playoff scenarios. No, that's, that's a, I think it's a worthwhile discussion, but um, I'm just thinking of this crazy scenario. Like, all right, say Ohio State loses some games and Michigan doesn't look like a playoff team. Uh, they don't. That'll, I'll solve that one for you. Michigan. Looks like less miles garbage. Whatever Bo Schimbeckler did to his assistant coaches back in the day to incept them on how they should form their offenses for the rest of their life, it's borderline unbelievable. Thanks, T-Bob. Oh, is that – oh, are you – are you – wait, are you – what, are you Are you a Michigan fan? Oh, man? no, I'm just – I'm laughing at our ability to go on tangents right now. Oh, like, my bad. I no. just – I mean, Harbaugh. Oh, no, I what love our tangents. What is he doing, dude? What is he oh, just, doing? No, yeah, it's a problem. I was oh, – I've been the number one Michigan defender. Ask Brooks Cupino. We get in arguments about this all the time. And I'm like, dude, Michigan's good – they're just like not pretty, but they're good. He and, ran the ball. I, I've officially admitted I'm wrong. He ran the ball 12 times in a row in the fourth quarter for 28 yards, including getting stopped twice on fourth and two. <laughs> no, yeah, they look bad. Um, no, no. Anyway, okay, sorry. So say no Big Ten team gets in. Yeah, and you know Oklahoma looks really good, but I could also see you know Big 12's like kind of getting more like level. I could see them maybe get knocked off just how the things work. Is there a scenario in which? Three SEC teams in. So that uh, Peter Burns tweeted about that. This oh, did morning, he really? Where okay. he said, "Well, not no, not not in that exact context." It's funny that you all both arrived there because uh, he was basically. I love Peter's just SEC twist on stuff all the time. Uh, I don't have any comments, Pride. But he was saying that if you want playoff expansion, that that's what you want. Like if you want playoff really expansion, yeah. that you need. You're saying you want more SEC. An undefeated uh, Alabama or Georgia, the loser of that game. And to also be undefeated except for the SC championship loss, and then an eleven and one LSU. That's and that, a great point. And then that makes things really sketchy for uh for, for the country. First off, I've always been very, very, very anti expansion. I think we would lose everything that makes playoff football college football amazing if we yeah. started doing that. So I was already on that side, but that's actually a really good point and probably the final nail in the coffin for me to keep it at four. But anyway, yeah, it's a really good point. That they would, if, it's if just tricky because three of the five best teams in the country are SEC right now, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I guess um, I as as far as expansion goes, my problems now. I love it from the idea that you would just have five automatic bids, so then you have yeah. like this great power. You have this great tournament of champions. The problem comes to when you go five through eight. Yeah, you're gonna have one team that didn't win their conference championship. You're like, okay, that team's pretty damn good. They belong in there. Yeah. Then last two slots, you're going to be choosing between a lot of two-loss or three-loss teams. Like, it's going to be 
really sketchy to try to, I think, discern who who would maybe be deserving of those spots. Unless you did like a group of five automatic bid. I'm, if you do it, one I at think large, I'm for that. I'm for that. Uh, a group of five automatic bid. Because it would just make it fun. Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah, a good portion of the years, that team would get wrecked. But it would just add a fun layer, and you would have some years where it's like, holy crap, Boise just won that. Like, you know, like... I just think that would add a fun wrinkle to it because I think there are going to be some flaws. And back to the conversation about opportunity, right? You can't ever yeah. really. I mean, now yeah, exactly. Chances are they get their ass kicked, but you know, maybe you never only set it up know. for like a four-year deal with that format. So if after four years it's like this ain't working, yeah, maybe mix it up. But I don't know. I'm not. A smart the problem guy. with that is they're never going to do that because if you add another game, then you have to start taking regular season games off, which then costs every single school money, which. I think it's going to be hard to make. Yeah, I'm 100 percent team four. I I love I love four teams too. Because college football is the best sport in the world to me. Because every game matters. If you lose one game, it's heartbreaking, and each rivalry matters, and you care so much. It's why it's why it brings out the emotion. And now, like that SC title game last year, like like to Peter Burns' point, that was one of the better football games that year, and there was so much on the line. It was a beautiful moment of college football. And if that, if there's an 18 playoff. That game simply doesn't matter. They're both getting in. Yeah, or you have like maybe you end up with like a two loss or a three loss national champion that just got on a heater at the right time, which isn't no, that's not a bad that's not thing, bad thing, but, but, but it's, it's not also what I want. it doesn't feel like traditional college football champions where you have honored a season's worth of work, like like just near perfection. Yeah. Um, all right, number eight <laughs> for the worst. Slinger uh, isn't coaching conservatively. Which the best thing about that was Joe Brady tweeting like Slinger ain't scared or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. They don't call. He said uh, they don't call. Uh, they don't call at Steve Ensminger Slinger for nothing. Then with a bunch of popcorn <laughs> emojis, which one shows kind of the respect between them. But a collaboration that should not work, but it is the odd passed with flying colors. These first two games, it's wild how well they seem to be working together. But yeah, there's so many stories of this game, which is why this is one of my favorite podcasts we've done this year so far. If I'm having a blast right now, but me too. It's because third and seventeen is like one of the best plays in years at LSU, and that's like the sixth biggest thing to talk about. <laughs> like, like the idea of you know four minute drill, it's time. That's what LSU would do in a year. That's even what they would do with this offense. Yeah, wait, okay. So that's set, not even this, just up, like set a, this up though. Set this up. If if if, if they haven't read the article, they haven't yeah. heard about what happened when LSU yeah. got the ball with less than four minutes left. So you know. Right under four minutes left, Ed Ogeron on the on the mic says, you know, or the head headset, whatever you call it, uh, it's like, you know, they got a six minute lead, four minutes left. They're like, yeah, what do you guys think about going four minute offense? And that's not even just like an LSU new offense thing. That's a college football thing across the board. You probably try to run the clock yes. out. And he says, no, we're gonna pass the ball and we're gonna score. And O said, go ahead. And that is a change. Yeah. Even like last year, even when Steve was the OC, they go conservative at times. So that is a massive change. And they go out, they go out passing. It almost cost them, which, God, thank God, not because I care if LSU wins, but if they lost that game because of that Terrace Marshall fumble and I had to write thousands of words mm. about the decision to attack, yeah, I would have quit. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would have been exhausting. Because I don't but see, care. But see, so the problem with the criticism like that, and I, I was disagreeing with Moscone about something in the Saints game, is. That is falling into a logic trap that it's all too easy to fall into when you break down results sports, which is purely, yes, results-oriented like uh, thinking, right? Result, results-oriented conclusion drawing where just because if you had lost a Terrace Marshall fumble, um, that would have not va- invalidated the strategy to go for it. So remember that it worked this time because maybe it won't work one time and you're going to be yes. like, oh, well, we should have never done this. Well, no, there's precedent that you should have done this. You just messed it up. Yes, thank you. Yes, that goes back to my <laughs> shit happens argument, honestly, earlier. Like, listen, like, yes, things, 
I'm a, I'm a gambler. The, all right? Yes, the best decisions can just you can get bad, bad beat. I'm a gambler, and I like looking at trends and data and all these things. And I like you know, when I bet college football sometimes, and it's like I, the most obnoxious thing when like you know I'll bet some ugly looking game because every piece of data points to doing that, <laughs> and then they'll lose, and and everyone will be like, dude, that was such a dumb bet. Like everyone could have told you, you, you got to go home with there. And I'm like. No, no, they just won this time, man. But sixty-five percent of the time, they wouldn't have, you know, just like exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so they, anyway, they keep going for it. They luckily did not fumble. Third and seventeen. That's when the historical the play happens, and you could probably tell this with a little bit more flair than me. But Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson made one of the bigger plays we've seen in a while. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I just loved. I mean, the, the guy that pointed it out to me really, even on my show Monday, I didn't feel like we like. For whatever reason, we just got distracted. We didn't even highlight third and seventeen that much. But then when I hear Hannah Griff, a guy who has been <laughs> on Baton Rouge Radio forever, he's the the lore master, the archmaster. Um, when I hear him just talking about how much that play will always stand out to him, then you know it was something special. And he's right. Now I've gone back and I've watched it so much. I mean, I don't think I you fully appreciate Burrow throwing off a one leg sidearm, leaning up against a guy and delivering yep. a strike. And then Jefferson's ability to get the speed, the stiff arm to break it, uh, legendary. And then you get to wave the crowd bye bye, which I also loved. <laughs> and I'm really bummed. I don't think I, I don't think I got this quote in there, but we talked to we talked to a lot of players about, it and they were all like amazed by it. Yeah. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire like brought it up himself and was just like in sincere awe. He's like, I'm gonna take that play to my grave. And he yeah. said that with like sincerity, just yeah. like. That was something like I will remember forever. And O said that Monday as well. It was just like. Um, you know, he literally threw that on one foot, sidearmed his body contorting with a guy about to hit him. And credit to Clyde because he had the uh, he had the big block on that play. And the, the coolest thing about that, I remember, and I, this went into my Joe Burrow story I ran that night, the night of the game, was like, you know, he got hit, he went to the ground, and he's he, there's a 350, you know, however big lineman sit, sitting on top of him, and only his like face and arms are out of there. <laughs> and like before the ball's no even way. caught, his hand is up with one one finger in the air, like the ball was even caught, and he just like knew. And like I hate that like I'm be- I'm like oh in this full recording God. Joe Burrow mode, so I apologize for the corniness. But it was like it was just like oh okay he's that kind of guy like he's yeah. just one of those. Dudes. No, definitely, man. No, I don't 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 apologize for the corniness because isn't this what we're all into sports for? These kind of heroic moments and these these individuals that like you know when 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 pressure's on and the stage is big, you just have these guys that that show up and. Yeah. Um, and they're why it's so awesome. It's why you like watching a Breeze, a Brady, any of these cats. Uh, and so Joe Burrow is Drew Breeze and Tom Brady. You heard it here first. Um, I also said that he outdueled Breeze, I think, earlier this uh, <laughs> podcast. So I'm an idiot. We could probably skip everything nine. that I said. Uh, number nine, they're both number nine. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is the quarterback of the Saints' future. So as somebody pointed out, Sean Payton loves Ohio State guys, and Burrow Ooh, technically really fits the bill. We know he, 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 he LSU fans love to think he hates LSU players, but he loves Ohio State it's guys. So what, Sean, I mean, what's Sean Payton going to do? His brain's going to explode when he's watching Burrow film. Oh, I could totally see it. Then you also now have the Brady sign of approval and all that. No, I mean it's it's totally. I think I think it was Larry Holder was saying he's like he, I think well I don't never mind I'm not going to spoil, but he's like I'm thinking about writing about that. Like that should be the move. Oh, oh, okay. I just spoil. yeah. Hopefully no one listens. No little tease. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, we can probably skip number nine because it's about basically how the defense fell apart. That's what I was going to say. It's, 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 it's the same thing. It's why they needed to attack, and it's just because. Um, yeah, the, the defense couldn't stop them. They were exhausted. And we also already talked about number 10. And Ellinger's a beast. Uh, oh, yeah, number 10. Ellis, you better hope that Logan and Lawrence return soon. Yes, but, yeah, I think you can rest those guys for a few weeks. But, yeah, I mean, it, 
This can be a fun few weeks, though, in terms of just getting a sense of the depth of this team because, you know, you're going to have about three straight games, more like two straight games, where you can actually really rotate some guys in. And I'm and now we know Caleb on Chason's questionable. By the way, it's a fun game. I would love to see if someone did the data of how often I say Chason versus Chason. Oh, probably he, too. What the because he I was said both are yesterday fine. and I didn't know what to say. I know. I think I might have done both in the he same had, He interview. gave a great answer one day when asked about it. He was like, listen, I say Chase on. I'm not going to tell Louisiana people how to say their name. Wait, he says Chase on? He says Chase on. But I thought he said Chasen. No. I thought he said like, uh, what? But I thought Louisiana people said Chase on. They say Chase on, I think. Oh, shit. I thought it was all about the song. I thought it was about the Chaison versus Chaison. Like, in that the Louisiana people said it the French way, and that he's. I don't fucking. I don't I know. I thought it was like a chess song. Um, I could be wrong. I don't now know. I don't know. Either now way, I don't know. His point was like, I'm not going to tell Louisiana people how to say this. So either one works. Anyway, wow, we got off traffic topic again. Uh, it's, um, it's so. Um, we've talked podcast, about it for, we talked uh, about it for years. Wow. Okay. I wish you guys could see the look in his eyes right now of pure just like. I just don't know. I just don't know. This I don't is like know. the end of the usual suspects right I now. Just, for him. Uh, yeah, I'm having my Kaiser Soze <laughs> moment. Uh, but no, it's Chasing. gonna be a fun because now he's questionable Chasing the entire time. Let's call him Caleb on. Um, Caleb on's questionable this week. So now you know you're probably gonna see Mofahoko. You already know he's a known commodity, but. Neil Farrell's going to get more time. You're going to see Jarrell Cherry get some time. That's going to be... I love talking up some Jarrell Cherry. That's so the most... See we've never seen him play football yeah, yet. I know. But he's such a big storyline, and people, they do like him a lot. I think it, and I think that's a really fun one to watch. Uh, and then the most interesting, Marcel Brooks. If if Caleb Vaughn's out, Marcel Brooks Ooh, probably starting you out said that. I was talking to one of my buddies right before I came in here on the phone, and he wanted to call me just to... Ask about how hyped I was on Marcel Brooks, and and, and I, it was funny because I didn't really. I, I mean, look, I, I guess I didn't, I wasn't exuberant in like sharing that with him, but it sounds like maybe I should be. I mean, he's a top fifty prospect, yeah, and people like that guy is a stud. That's he's what everybody's gonna, been saying. He's going to do big things here, but they brought him in to be a safety to basically be the Jacoby, you know, the, yep. the Grant Delpit from last year, the the quarter. Um, I just don't think he can cover right now. I just don't mm. think he can. So now the last few weeks he's basically been playing outside linebacker. And it's always tricky because Jacoby basically plays outside linebacker. But, like, he's truly practicing an outside linebacker. So, and now they're saying he might start there. Which, granted, this Might game. start there. No, this game. This he said game. if Caleb runs yeah, out, yeah, yeah, he yeah. might start there. Um, oh, wow. Marcel Brooks, work out. Yes. So, what'd you say? I said, I said Marcel Brooks, work out. That's great. I'm saying that's crazy. <laughs> if, if that's that's going to be the most fun storyline because, I mean, that dude is like, – that dude is – one of the, like, there's just crazy competitor types who just, like, loses his mind when he plays football and just wants to go all out. Like, kind of, like, I've heard there are stories well, of him, like, practically fighting people in games in high school. The boys are going to have a chance to pad their stats this weekend because they'll Which, do, like, two minutes on Northwest State really quick. They're very bad. Yes. Um, like both games by over 20. Yeah, and one of them to a small, school that is smaller than FCS. Uh, yeah, that's mid, the key point here. <laughs> Midwestern State, I believe is what it is. They're from Texas. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. So, so, so uh, it's 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 a great opportunity if you're Marcel Brooks to go out there and really feel good about yourself and go dominate. Here's my question to you: the only thing that what's matters. your question, T. Bob? When do you pull Joe Burrow? What score? I say twenty-eight zero. Early yeah, hook. I think that's good. That's Early a, hook. I think that's the perfect. You saw what he did. Early hook. Get in the hell out of it's there. So get Brennan action. They're in a position they're probably not that used to in recent years. Of like, you got to think about stats a little bit. Gotta, well, if you want him to win the Heisman, right? If you're yeah, on a legitimate Heisman campaign, I'm, this is you know, where you get a lot of that stuff going. I'm sure in the back of their mind, they think a little bit about, like, 
being ahead of Alabama in the offensive stats, you mm. know? I'm not saying they would, like, make important decisions based on that, but those things occur to them, you know? I know. That's what I'm or saying. It's I was thinking about Calevon. You know, yeah, he could probably play if you need him to, but you probably shouldn't. But it's like, but he wants, that sack, wants that sack record. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. it's like, I don't know. But uh, I think you pull him up. That's good. I think that's a very good 28 nothing or four scores is a good. Four scores and I get Burrow that joke. You're so out predictable. the game. Um, well, I didn't really even go with it. I, I, I thought I was going to go with a four scores joke, and then I just kind of fell flat on its face. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see Marcel Brooks. Excited to see some of those guys. Um, yeah, I don't have to. I think I think I think another look at the freshman running back will be nice, especially because they too could point. dominate uh, this game. That you mess with line. That's that's huge. You need to see that depth. Who's that? You, what what those backup offensive? Oh, linemen. absolutely, absolutely. I want to see I want to see Trey Orr play some guard. And and watch Ed Ingram, man. It's looking like everything's trending towards Ed Ingram. Already. No, no, I don't think he'll play already either. We, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's physically ready. I just don't know if he's. <sighs> Well, we should clarify. It sounds like there's a. I mean, I've talked to people around the program. There's a a lot of optimism that suspended guard Ed Ingram will be, might returning, be returning to the team sooner rather than maybe later. this week or next. Um, yeah, exactly. And, so you know, they would tell you he might be their best guard as of a year. I mean, their best player as that's offensive what I'm lineman. So yeah. this is a perfect opportunity to just throw him in a game, especially after everything he's dealt crazy, with. Yeah. If they think he's mentally up to snuff right now, yeah, uh, good, for yeah. sure. The funny, like, well, the the really interesting thing is, I mean, six months ago I had heard. If he comes back, he's your starting right tackle. Oh wow! Yeah, like that's Dangles look good though. I mean, you know, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's like, I I mean, it's pretty obvious you need left guard. You need left guard now. So it's just funny Mm -hmm. how much that changed in the past six months. Left guard's definitely a spot that's still got to have some improvement take place. Didn't guess that either. Um, Yeah. What? what, Any any more thoughts on Northwestern game? We segued into the future pretty well. I mean, yeah, you want to see Miles Brennan and even Peter Parrish. Yeah. Yeah, you're excited yeah. to see that. Yeah, because you can get him in four games now. Yep, and you probably only will really have a chance to play Parish in two tops. Uh, oh, this is what I want to say. Sorry, so up? I probably mentioned the freshman backs. Oh yeah, I saw a lot of people just jumping all over the Lenard for now. Like, why is Lenard play? Why is this or that? Or or Clyde? Clyde? A lot of people like, which I really don't get. Tell me, like, I just don't think Clyde's the man. Like, when are we going to yeah, get these freshmen? Yeah. Like, he played great. Clyde has been fantastic through two weeks. He is making the first guy miss consistently. Um, he has created for you. He has blocked well. He's received. Well. He did have a third one drop, which was a bit brutal. But besides that, he's been oh, yeah. great running, catching. Also, Clyde had the best horns down that I have ever and seen. And didn't get flagged. And did not get flagged. But my man sat there and held the horns up. For like two seconds before he flipped it down. He didn't lower his arm, though. It was all in the wrist. There was yeah. a little weight behind it. It looks that. Oh, you cannot. It, it looks so good. Also, I think it was uh, Sadiq Charles that came out there and threw up like a double one with him. Ooh. So they were looking at each other doing it, which was tight. But it's crazy. I mean, they hadn't played Texas in 17 years and hadn't played in Austin in 54, and Clyde still had the preparation to come out there and execute flawlessly late fourth quarter on the horns down and on the blitz pickup. I love Clyde Edwards-Dealer as your premier back. Yeah, no, he looked great. But, yeah, to get to the the thing you were saying about all this spec, like, you know, all these people angry, like, where's John Emery? Where's – I mean, I just think, one, I don't – I think Clyde's clearly the starter. Yeah. The Lenard stuff, you know, maybe I could I could listen to some conspiracy theories. You know, I could I could hear some out that maybe. It's well, like I just think I, th- I think I think it's simple. I just think they're better. Clyde and Lenard know what to do in pass protection. In this last game, that was critical with the blitzes. No, I think that's you're probably one hundred percent right. I also just wonder how much is like, let's wait. To, you know, you have five guys you like. If you yeah. have five you like, 
let's not you know show everything we got with some guys or let's let's keep you know if you have five guys three can always be fresh you know like save some guys for down the season i don't know you'll see them rotate more as the season goes on and yes. this matchup if it was perfect for and, Clyde and, 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 Lenard. and plus also um it is quickly becoming apparent that joe burrow is asset number one and so it is protect him at all costs and so if you can't pass protect you're it's going to really hurt you playing um all right we're going a little extra long day but that's okay because this was a massive day we might not have too much to say next week so get it while you can yeah i mean exactly right this is a massive day a massive win the hype train is real lsu fans are the first time in a long time uh well i say a long time yeah, it has been a long time since not only do they have national championship aspirations that are legitimate and real, uh, but they have Heisman Trophy aspirations that through two weeks are legitimate and real. Do, has he moved up again? I know he jumped from unranked to 14th in the Heisman odds. Uh, one book has him fifth. Or like plus, wow. I want to say plus 500. Wow. Oh, yeah, actually, I want to say this. I'm not predicting Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. Okay, not... just heard it right here. Hold that podcast. No. Podcast guaranteed. Bro, no. Bill prediction. No. Um, and I'm not even saying. I'm not saying he's better than two or Trevor oh, Lawrence. I not love a it. chance. Keep it rolling. Not a chance in hell. I do not think he's better than those two. And no way. Do just I said that. it. <laughs> yeah, you could cut that quote. Now, but, yeah. uh, but, but what I have, a, I've long been a thing of just like, the Heisman does not go to the best football player. The Heisman goes to the best news narrative and storyline. That's like the best. They, it falls in love with storylines. Okay. Andrew Luck never won a Heisman. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It yeah, falls in love with that. So that's why I always never think that it's going to go to two or Trevor Lawrence. I just don't because they. There's a chance if they're that good, they might. But it just never does. It goes to the the guy who you know, your Johnny Manziel, who came up and became this exciting storyline. Or you know, Cam Newton was obviously one of the best seasons ever. But still, like you get my point. Yeah, no, uh, no, for sure. I Kyler mean, was last a great example last year. People got bored with Tua. Yes. So Kyler snuck in and won it. So I just think, is there, of all those things, all these quarterbacks that make so much sense to win it, they might become tired storylines. And if there's any quarterback that's in that conversation right now. It's not tired. It's not tired. It has the perfect narrative. Uh, he's the guy yes. who brought a modern, exciting offense in, to LSU and gave them their first great quarterback in <laughs> God knows how long. here first, folks. I mean, listen. So, he's writing the Heisman campaign he might for be you. The, like eighth best of those candidates, but I could totally see that happening. I love it. Um, also, I love Trevor Lawrence. Dude is an animal. He's incredible. But right now he's not putting up the numbers to uh, maintain the Heisman race. That's the tricky thing with Clemson. I mean, I remember Shea Dixon and I were talking a few months ago, and he's like, I think Etienne's the best one of those, the yeah. best value. He's like plus 3,000 at one point, and it's like he's the one who's actually going to break all the big runs and people are going to get tired with the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, I mean, just to, but that's what's scary about Clemson. Statistically, Trevor Lawrence hasn't been overwhelming, but they remain overwhelming as a team. They're quite good. That is, this is the Hold That Podcast podcast with T-Bob Baby or Brody Miller. If you enjoy it, uh, so a little point of order here. We will be up on iTunes. Um, like then for <laughs> So many mentions asking us. So, yeah, I did not realize how tough of a process that is. I actually just hired Nate to do it. But it takes, like, business days to get approved and all this stuff. And you got to have, like, a SoundCloud Pro account, all this stuff. But we got it figured out. Should be up on there with our own feed. We're on the 104.5 feed right now. Um, then 1045ESPN.com. You can always find this, but we'll make sure to share all that information. We appreciate your interest, by the way. And before next week, I'm going to put it on the record so we have to stay into it. Um, so I have to say, uh, I want to get an email set up so that we can start taking questions. Yeah, we should. And we'll do a yeah. uh, question and answer right. segment as well. Um, go eat at A Bear Meats. 
definitely. Off of Jefferson Highway. And they got a great hot plate lunch. And go sign up for the athletic. Anything else? Uh, we didn't talk Indiana Ohio State, but we can say that. Okay, yeah. let's roll into it, <laughs> no, baby. No, no, go no. Hoosiers. That's the perfect way to Justin end Fields. Oh. Who's By the way. Who's just going to stop him? Okay, last thing. Who is the one quarterback in the country rated higher than Joe Burrow right now? Rated, like in terms of like the QB rating. Yes, yeah. like to college QB rating, which I have no idea how it's formed. The numbers yeah, are no crazy idea. large. Um, There's okay. one guy. Five fields? I don't know. Nope, not fields. Is he on a top 10 team? Yep. Yes, he's a relevant name. He's not like some obscure guy. From? Nope. I don't know. Jalen Hurts. Oh, God. How did I forget that? Yeah, man. He's been off the charts. Yeah, he has a. Uh, Burrow has like a 220 something and Hurts is like a 229. Yeah. No, yeah. No, they look really good. And he looks. His storylines of Tua. That's and the other one. Hurts. Yeah. I was going to say, Go if you're toe look- to toe, are Hurts. you shitting me? I was, okay. I Do fl- we live in a world where they're going to give that to us? Because that is awesome. I actually completely forgot. You're completely right, by the way. It's Hurts is the number one storyline for the Heisman. Burrow, a really other. The next <sighs> That's one. true. I mean, everybody is starting from about a lap behind when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Because he bided his time and he did the heroic team thing last and year. And it's funny how people are kind of weirdly into the three straight Oklahoma Heisman thing. You know, it's not like people are like, <laughs> you know, normally people are like, screw this man like i don't want another yeah. but people are like that's kind of awesome you know? yeah well that they, they, well it is kind of sad because it's like okay clemson and bama playing the championship in oklahoma and the heisman and that's just our reality now i think there's enough teams this year to make it relevant yes yeah. right tigers hold that tiger tiger podcast and georgia and oklahoma. uh that's All not right. the name yeah, we gotta stop. We hold gotta that stop. podcast podcast we gotta stop y'all have a great day we'll see you next week